Thanks for listening to the Life Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Mark Borg. For any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. Fire it up. And uh, we want to find the book of Mark, one of my favorites. Chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, we've been over the last few weeks uh, in this, this series, and uh, the series title is Authorized. Authorized. And if you've missed the previous parts of this series, of course, we encourage you to, to go online and listen and watch. Uh, no cost to do that, but highly beneficial if you'll understand these principles. We've been discussing God's original design for mankind to have dominion in the earth over all creation. Okay, God has always wanted us to take what He has given and use it for our benefit. All right, it's an incorrect concept to think that just because God gives something that we automatically benefit from it. We do not. There is a giving part and there is a receiving part that are both are necessary. And if we'll receive and take what He has given us, then we can be blessed and benefit from the gift. Uh, and I understand that this is, for some, a new way of thinking. You may have been involved in, in churches, in religion, and different things for some time in your life, and, you know, they, these, these things were presented in an opposite way. But I want you to judge for yourself. I want you to look at and, and, and look at these scriptures for yourself to see if what we're saying is so, because if you will get this, it'll change your life. It absolutely will. It will change the way you approach the Lord the way you approach circumstances in life. And, uh, you know, too, for too often, people have been taught that we are weak and powerless and unable to do anything about the problems that arise and the circumstances we face in life. You know, it's all up to some random, mysterious, unpredictable will of God. But that's not correct. I honestly believe that it is a doctrine of demons that has seeded this into churches where people at the end of that belief system they become passive therefore allowing the enemy to run over them to dominate in this life in our society and he has no right to do that but if a person believes that we can't do anything about it or that it's all up to God then they will not do anything that would cause change. All right? That's why this revelation is so very, very important. I know that this belief system is very often contrary, uh, very often contradictory in nature. I mean, th this belief, here's what I mean. The belief that everything that happens is either God doing it or God not doing it. It's all up to him. We're more just kind of spectating and watching him perform his will. Uh, it's contradictory in nature. Those who, who are not 
involved in churches frequently do not think this way. But if you get involved in religion long enough, you, your brain gets warped. It does, and you start thinking backwards and contradictory. Meaning, uh, when we talk about salvation, for example, I don't think too many of us, or probably none of us, would would tell someone who is seeking a relationship with God, they want salvation, forgiveness of sins, eternal life, uh, we would not tell them, well, uh, let me pray for you. Father, save them if it be your will. But if not, you know, we usually don't add the rest, but it usually <laughs> it, would, it would go like this. If not, let them go to hell. I mean, we would never put that on the Lord. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we would never put that on God and say, Lord, if you want them saved, you'll just do it. Or to our own lives. Lord, if you want me to be saved, I guess whenever you're good and ready, go ahead. Until then, I'm going to live like I want to live, and I'm going to just conduct myself in an ungodly way. And when you're, you get ready to do something, I guess you'll do it. No, we would say, well, that's foolish. The Lord has offered this to us. You have to receive it. You have to accept it. You have to give your life to Him. He's not going to force it upon you. I think we're, we easily go there because we know scriptures like 2 Peter chapter 2 where it says that it's not God's will that any would perish. Well, but that all would come to repentance. So He doesn't want anyone to perish, but yet some are perishing. So just because He wants it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Uh, but then we, what we do sometimes is we separate that from all the rest of life. We say, oh yeah, salvation works that way. And if you want to be saved, yes, you need to believe. Yes, you need to give your life to the Lord. But everything else then is separate. You realize that everything else is often in the same verse? That you really have to dissect and cut out eternal life and separate all of our natural life in the same verse. That's not correct. <laughs> That's not the way to interpret the Word of God and to understand Scripture. But if we see it this way, and this is where we've got to adjust our thinking to match the Lord. If a person's salvation is not up to God, meaning he did what he did and we need to do what we do, if it's not up to God, then... Uh, do you know that also it's not up to God whether a, whether a person is healed or not? So say, well, if God heals them, then he heals them. Stop. You've just, you just separated that from, it, from other blessings. Why is that different? Hallelujah. Everybody okay? Without this revelation what will happen is many people will likely blame God for things that go wrong in their life. Think, well, he let this happen, or he did this, this is up to him. Or, the other way this works is the enemy is allowed to keep people in bondage because they do not know that they can or that they ought to resist. He is allowed Satan is allowed to cause many people to yield to satanic bondage. And when people suffer and they ask questions, why is this happening? The answers, the correct answers are not given, and so they remain in a passive position. I can't do anything. 
I, this is mysterious. You can never know why God's letting this happen. No, no, no. That's incorrect thinking. If you're not saved, if you're not going to heaven, if you were to die today, you can be right now. You can, God has already done this. You can literally receive eternal life today. That's up to you. And I'm telling you, the rest of the blessings of God work the same way. They do. Hallelujah. All right, well, everybody good for today? See you later? No, last week, last week we were talking about uh, what I call the transfer of authority. The transfer. And you, you might recall, we said to you that there are four parts to this. They go like this. Number one, God created the earth and gave Adam dominion over it. And then secondly, Adam sinned and thereby transferred that authority to Satan. Number three, Jesus came to legally retrieve that authority. He got it back. Thank you, Lord. And then number four, number four is this, that we as the church are to use this authority which has been delegated to us to enforce the victory which was won through redemption. And the shorter version of that is God gave it to Adam. Adam gave it away. Jesus got it back, gave it to the church, and now we're to use it. We're to use it. What can happen is a person could have good understanding of the first three. And if you stop at verse, at, not verse, but at, at point three there, you might sing songs about victory. You might say, look what the Lord has done in, 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 in giving us the victory. He was raised from the dead. He has, uh, you know, he's been seated at the right hand of God. Thank God he has the victory. We could sing good songs. We could say good words. We could jump up and down and shout and have a good time and still be defeated. I mean, we've got good songs, though. So in our miserable, pathetic, defeated lives, at least we got good music and truthful music. All right? But there is this last part that's vital, and that is we take and put to use what Jesus has done for us. We take this authority and we walk in it. We exercise it. We take dominion in this life over things that have been defeated. Absolutely essential. Now let me give you some verses. All right? First one is Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 and verse 17. In fact, I want to give you four verses. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And if this is true, if this is a, a, a foundational Bible solid doctrine, it should be in the Bible more than one place. All right? So I'll just give you four. Mark 16 verse 17, Jesus said, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Now, how many know there's a difference between they will cast out and God will cast out? If the Bible said they will cast out, then it's not God casting out. It is them casting out. Yeah. So if a, if a demon is present or not present, it is not up to God. It is up to a person. They either 
cast out or they don't cast out. Everybody see that? that that's real clear. The next one is Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And over here, we read this again. Verse 26, 426. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Verse 27. Nor give place to the devil. What? Nor give place. Who, don't, who is to nor give place? Yeah, well, you would be the understood subject. It's talking to me. It's talking to you. You do not give place to the devil. If the devil has place, why does he have place? Because we gave him place. We did not refuse allowance. We did not resist him. We did not uh, stop him from moving in our lives. And, and let, me, let me slow down real quick for a minute. Does that make sense? Let me slow down quick. <laughs> It's like telling a Russian to slow down. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, when, when we say resist the devil, someone said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean? You're talking about demons and devils and stuff. I don't know if I have any issue with them. You can extrapolate because when, when a person receives the Lord in their life, what does that bring? His love, His goodness, His kindness, His strength, His, his knowledge, His wisdom, His healing, His victory, all, that his, all that's in His character and nature. When you receive Him in your life, you're receiving good things. Okay, when the devil is given place in your life, we're not talking about pitchfork, horn, you know, horns, tail, that kind of thing. Hey, there's a devil in my house. Uh, what does the devil come to do? To steal, kill, and destroy. So if there's, if there's destruction, if there's death, if there's depression, if there's darkness, if there's disease, if there's uh, all these kind of things, that's the devil. Okay? Doesn't mean necessarily anytime someone's sick there's a, that they're demon-possessed. Not saying that. But you can see all that is encompassing of the devil's work as opposed to the Lord's work, the Lord's goodness, and the Lord's victory, and the Lord's joy. You see that? So when we say resist the devil, I don't really know if it's a devil or not. It's easy, easy to judge. It's easy to judge what comes from God and what comes from the devil. Um, a two-year-old can figure that out. So get to resisting. Huh? So again, he says, nor give place. Who? Who? Me. That's on me, whether I give place or I do not give place. Okay? And then James 4. James chapter 4. If you keep going right, you'll run into Hebrews, then James these are nice and orderly, so you don't have to go backwards in your life. <laughs> keep, <laughs> keep progressing. James chapter 4 and verse 7, James 4 verse 7, it reads, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from who? From you. He will flee from you. What's our part in this? Who is supposed to resist the devil? We're supposed to resist the devil. What if we don't? <laughs> well, if we don't, he won't be resisted. If he is not resisted, 
he will continue to influence and to work and destroy. Even if we sit back and say, Lord, why is this happening? Lord, help me in this situation. Lord, deliver me from this. What's happening? Well, the devil still has to be resisted. The Lord can talk to you all day. I'll tell you, what he will talk to you about is doing that because he can't go in there and resist the devil. He delegated that to us. So if I don't resist, the devil won't be resisted. I could pray all day long about, Lord, help me in this situation, but I will not be helped other than the Lord telling me, instructing me, teaching me what I, what I have and what I can do. The devil has to be resisted. If he's not resisted, he will wreak havoc in a person's life. Period. It can be counseled all day long. It can be explained all day long. Huh? Someone can tell you you're like Job all day long. All of that is bogus. The devil has to be resisted. You have to know that you can. And then you have to do it. And we can sing the song, Jesus won the victory. He's alive. He's risen from the grave. Hallelujah. Let's keep doing that. But then we still have to get up and resist the devil. That's on us. It's our part. You notice who the devil flees from? Not God. This means, this is powerful. This means that the devil sees something in us that causes him to tremble. He runs, tucks his tail between his legs and runs. When you and I know who we are and what we have, what we can do in Jesus' name, the devil is afraid of us. Think about that, how this is flipped on its head. What is the prime, one, of, one of the primary strategies the enemy uses against God's people? It's fear. People are afraid of bad things happening, afraid of something not working out. Who should be the one who's afraid? Not you and me. He's the one who's afraid. And he ought to be. Because all of heaven backs you up. All of heaven is, 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 is standing here with us. So when we resist, when you resist, well, the, then the devil will flee from God. No, the devil will flee from you. Because you've been placed in charge. But you see what's necessary again? Resistance. I must do that. No one can really do that for me. I mean, short term, when someone has knowledge, they can help another person temporarily. But ultimately, I must learn to resist the devil for myself and my own life. If I keep falling into the same traps, if I keep suffering with the same things, I need to get my face in the book and pray and say, Lord, teach me, give me understanding. Or we don't really need to do that now because we're doing it right here, right now. And then I get something, I stand up and say, absolutely not. This is going no further. When you know you can do that, you can do that. When you don't know you can do that, you can't do that. Huh? Very important. And then 1 Peter 5, verse 8 and 9 reads, Be sober, be, vi be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him steadfast in the faith. Who should resist him? We should. That's again understood subject is you, you resist him. So if you resist the devil, he will be resisted. If you do not resist the devil, he will not be resisted. And we see over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture, this is how life works. 
And through this series, we've given you dozens of verses already to show you this authority transfer and how God works in our lives. Yet too many times, Christians are still sitting back saying, I don't know what to do. You know, just whatever the Lord wants to happen, knock that off. (laughs) Know what the Lord has done for you and rise up. It is unscriptural to pray that God would do anything about the devil. And this is not talking about pastors and teachers and prophets and apostles. It's talking about whoever believes. Jesus said, whoever believes, they will cast out. You just have to be a believer. You believe this, it works. And it'll change your life forever. But the focus of all these verses are, uh, is what we are told that we are told to do the resisting, the casting out. Remember, Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth, whatever you loose on earth. And so it's not all up to the Lord. It's up to me getting a revelation of what he's put in my hand. Uh, Another way to say this, these are three words that were uh, rolling around in me, three words. Number one is delegation. Is delegation meaning he delegated to us. He authorized us to operate in his name. Secondly is appropriation. Appropriation means that we make use of what he has given us. And then number three is enforcement. We are the enforcers. Meaning, meaning this, don't let the devil run your life. Don't let him defeat you. He is a defeated foe. Well, what about this kind of thinking? This language, uh, well, I'm just turning everything over to the Lord. I'm just, I'm just turning it all over to Him. Well, in this context then, and with this, this understanding, it makes me wonder, well, can you? Can you just turn it all over to the Lord? On its face, it sounds pretty good. And I would agree if someone is... is standing on a specific promise from God and they're resting in his a promise to perform it okay I get that and I'm okay with that but as far as just uh, turning it over to the Lord it seems like he turned it over to me and if he turns it over to me and I turn it over to him sounds like hot potato huh who's got this Lord you got it no you got it no you got it you got it if he gave it to me, I can't give it back to him. In other words, he's not, you know, bounce off. He's not taking it back. He did his part. And, and you know, with all of our dealings with, with the Lord in life, there is a God side and there is a, a man side. It always works this way. So we say, it's all God. It's never all God. He could have set it up that way, but he didn't. There's God's side, there's our side. He does his part, we recognize what his part is. I need to know that. And then there's our part, I need to recognize what my part is, and I need to know that. And if I'll get those settled, I'll never be sitting back waiting for God to do something that he told me to do. And many believers find themselves in that trap year after year after year after year, and then they settle for, well, I guess this is the way the Lord wanted it to happen. So there's always a God side. God will always be faithful to do his part. What's his part? It's whatever he said. Whatever he promised, he will perform. He'll do that. So our emphasis often needs to be on our part. 
I mean, if we were to ask this question, which is more important, grace or faith? <laughs> Since we're having an interactive service here, <laughs> anybody else like to chime in? Grace or faith? Well, let, let me break it down. For all of you who said, I'm not going to say anything now. <laughs> if there is no grace... We're toast. Grace is the freely given gifts of God. It's forgiveness. It's everything that He can do, everything that He has. If God doesn't give it, we're stuck. Okay? But if God gives it and we don't believe it, we're still stuck. Grace is God's part. He's faithful to do His part and has done His part. Faith is our part. But if I don't believe what He has done, His grace goes unused. What a shame that would be. But that's how, how much of this relationship works. Some act as, as, as if everything that happens to them is somehow the mysterious plan of God. No, God's grace has made, made a way out, has given provision for us to live in victory. We must do our part. Okay? Our faith or our trust is not to be placed in circumstances. Meaning, this has happened to me in my life. I'm just trusting that, you know, God is, is, is working out His plan. He's not working it out. Well, that wasn't very encouraging. <laughs> I'm just going to trust that these, all these things are going to come together and work for my good. They're not going to. They're not going to until you know what the Lord has placed in your hand. You discover what he's placed in your possession, what he has authorized you to do, because he will be faithful always to do his side, and we must see and recognize what he has placed in our hand. And when we resist, the devil is resisted. When we will operate in this, in this authority, then his plan will begin to be worked out in our life. Amen. Say, what about that verse, though? You know that verse? It's Romans chapter 8. Oh, let's look at that. In other words, when you talk about these, these matters in this way, there is a belief system that goes like this. And it's, it's taken from a verse, so I want to explain that, that everything that happens somehow is, is of God and it's good and he will, turn, he will work it out for his good. What, what, what about that? I mean, it's very common for, for Christians to uh, go through, you know, if, if someone goes through a bad situation, another believer will say, well, you know, it's all, God's working it together for your good. It's all going to work together for good. Uh, and, and is that correct? Because that seems to fly in the face of everything we've said. And reality, let's look, at, let's look at some of our experience. Have you ever seen a situation that didn't work out for good? I have seen quite a few. And some of them, they were believers. Meaning bad stuff happened, and it never turned around. It never came together, and God was glorified, and they were helped or anything. It just stayed bad. So that doesn't give me much hope. No, it does. 
It's just, it just needs to be approached correctly. All right, here's this verse. It's Romans 8, verse 28. It reads, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. That's a great verse. Let's look at what it says and what it doesn't say. First of all, it does not say that all things are from God. You see, it's not, it's not implying or saying that whatsoever. Everything that happens is from God, because not everything that happens is from God. That's just a, a naive approach to life and, and to His kingdom. Uh, but it does qualify. They'll work together for good to two, two groups, those who love God, to, well, to not two groups, but two conditions, to those who are the called according to His purpose. So it's narrowed a little bit there. But what you really need to look at is verses like this should never be taken out of their setting and applied to all people of all times in all circumstances, situations. That's where we get into trouble, say, everything works together for good. All, God always turns it around. He wants to turn every situation around. But you read this, it is in the context of spirit-led prayer. It is in the context of the Spirit of God praying through someone out the perfect will of God. Do you know it really does make a difference whether someone prays or whether they don't pray? And really, if we were talking about prayer in particular, we were focusing on prayer, we would talk about authority in prayer. We have the right to go before the throne of God and make requests, make petition of God, and He answers us. Yeah? And so authority works there too. But when do all things work together for good? Well, to those who love God, who are the called according to His purpose, you know, Jesus, the purpose of Jesus was to come and destroy the works of the devil. When Christians are about destroying the works of the devil, that's the purpose of God. Just a thought. And those who love God, but it's when people, when things are prayed out by the Spirit of God through us, then God is gaining access or entrance into our lives to do what He wanted to do the whole time. But there's still a God side, and there's a people side. But with us removing ourselves from the equation saying, all God, all God, whatever He wants to do, whatever He wants to do. No, you missed that. And God wants to turn it all around for good, but He can't. He needs our cooperation. He needs us to participate. Hallelujah. Because we see that Jesus turned this authority, this right to be here, this right to resist over to us in the church. I've seen in my own life, I could look back at times and say, man, God was sure working there, and I didn't really see it at the time. I, I do believe that God is at work sometimes behind the scenes. He's helping us. He's leading us. He's guiding us. But I will not presume going forward that everything that happens to me in the future is somehow a part of God's mysterious plan. If I believe that that is a fact and that is absolutely true, it removes my responsibility to believe it removes my responsibility to obey. It takes me out of this equation. And I tell you, God wants to work with us. He's always designed it that way. He authorizes us, and I put you in charge. I want you to do this. If you will read even the New Testament and, and, and study the prayers that were written, you know, we have some examples in Ephesians and Philippians, different places of prayers that, that the apostles prayed. You know what they don't look like? God, help, save, heal, deliver, set us free. 
They don't look like that. Those aren't, those aren't New Testament prayers. You know what they are all about? Lord, show it to us. Give us revelation. Give us understanding. Open our eyes. Help us to know what great things we already possess in Christ. Help us to understand and see the great victory that's been won for us through Jesus on the cross. That's New Testament way of living. Most of our prayer lives are not, help! Most of our prayer lives are, glory to God! They should be full of praise and thanksgiving and acknowledging God's victory. And then we rise up from that place of praise, empowered, anointed by Him, and we go represent Him in the earth. With boldness, with confidence, we resist the devil, and he flees from us. You see how many believers live as if Jesus hadn't come yet? Lord, save so-and-so. How's he going to do that? How does the Lord save? He becomes flesh, dwells among us, walks among us, and then goes to the cross and bears our sins. That's how he saved us. He defeated the devil that way. That's how he did it. If we say, Lord, save us, <laughs> is he going back to the cross? Jesus going back to the whipping post to be striped again for our healing? That's how he did it. Good news? He already did it. And it never has to be done again. It is complete. It is finished. What's my prayer? Lord, help me to see this. May I know Man, what, what authority you've empowered me with. What charge you've given me. What blessings you've bestowed upon me. May I see it so very clearly. So I can rise up and take the sword of the Spirit. Take the Word of God. So I can walk in great power and authority and resist the devil. He flees. I can help others who don't know this yet to resist the devil. Huh? Say, so what about that like predestination and stuff? You're saying, because aren't there some things that we really don't have a choice in? I mean, I'm talking about as adults, not talking about where we were born and that kind of stuff. We didn't choose that. But isn't there anything that we don't have a choice in? It's just God decided it ahead of time, and we're just gonna, it's just going to happen to us no matter what we do? No, I do not believe that. I do not believe it. So what about like predestination and election and those type of things? If you'll read the scriptures, you'll read the, right there in Romans 8, the very next verse. If you read over in 1 Peter chapter 2, you will find a very key word. It's called foreknowledge. We are elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Yes, the Lord has the ability to see that you would say yes to him. He could look into the future and see when the gospel came to you, you humbled yourself and submitted and believed on the name of the Lord and were saved. And he can look forward and see that we would accept or we would reject and he would plan something based on that choice for our lives. That we would be created in the image of Christ. Huh? This is how the foreknowledge of God works. It does not remove all the rest of Scripture and say, oh yeah, and by the way, because of God's election and foreknowledge, everything else we've said, forget it. Because you would have to say that. Oh, by the way, everything Jesus said about faith and believing, forget it. You know, when he said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes, forget that too. Because what you believe is totally irrelevant. This is up to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Everybody okay? Amen. The Lord wants us to see these things, and I believe as we do, we rise up as, as people who are effective and, and, and bold and confident. We're no longer pushed around by life and, and, and demonic forces and, and all the ills of the world. But we are highly favored and blessed of the Lord and, and thankful for it every day, but taking it up, taking up this, this, uh, this authority that he's given to us. Amen? I have much more to say. I'll say it another day. Thank you, Lord. You'll be back. I'll see you next Sunday. We'll be extra thankful. And heavier. <laughs> Father, today we pray. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. You're working mightily in our midst. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.